Welcome to the Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. We examine the Word of God, follow the example of the Book of Acts Church, and in doing so we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The porch has always been here to restore the priesthood of the believer and regain that world-shaking influence that the early church had. The porch is here to help prepare you for the days ahead so that you can shine bright in the darkness and be there to help your brothers and sisters. We believe the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls, but the fire inside of you should be burning bright. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. Praise report, prayer request, any needs, anything that you have, um, would like to know, maybe you need a Bible, just let us know. Don't try to do this alone. We have a community of believers. We could plug you right in. We appreciate the support and encouragement. Some of you have been letting me know about the, the broadcast. If you notice, there are no commercials at the beginning. I was able to stop that. We didn't make a lot from it anyway. So there should be no roll-in commercials. Um, Firefall Network is active on YouTube, slowly rolling out uh, videos and clips and other things. Those of you that have received access to the private Vimeo collection, um, new one went in last week. We're about one behind, so that I will do my best to catch up. We always start out with praise reports and prayer requests. So first of all, I praise the Lord for my salvation. Otherwise, none of this is happening. I'm off somewhere in the darkness and of New York with no family, no hope, no future. But October 8th, October 9th, 1988, he changed all that. Since then, I've served him and walked with him, and it's been a tremendous at times, interesting walk. They gave me back my family, my wife, sons, and I have daughter-in-laws. I have a little mini-me called my grandson, who I love dearly, all of our furry kids, and I am thankful and praise him for that. Praise him for all the technology, everything that I have. Praise him for you, for this ministry, to do this Bible study with you. I praise him for being a new creation, living in prophetic times, seeing the signs, watching what's going on, being able to discern the times because of his Holy Spirit inside of me. We should be aware, we should be awake, we should be alert. So I am praying that we are that way. I am praising him for the Holy Spirit that he sent us and the cross and all those things, the empty tomb, the upper room. Don't let a day go by where you don't thank him for what he's done for you. Now let's pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. May they prosper who love you. I pray protection over Israel and Jerusalem against their enemies, against those that would try to corrupt the nation. I pray that God would guide their new leadership and that He his will would be done if he wants it to go this way. I know that he's in control, just as I know that he's in control here in America. So I pray for America. I pray for his grace. 
I pray for his abiding favor for those of us that walk in righteousness with him to protect us from whatever is happening and whatever is coming. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, the, the, the innocent, the poor in spirit, those who are victims of injustice. I pray for them each and every day. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I pray for missing and exploited children, and I pray against those that would do that to them, the victims of sex trafficking. Don't forget them. Don't forget our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, both Jew and Gentile, Jew and believer. A lot going on in the world, a lot of ugliness, a lot of hate. And we need to target it in prayer, and we need to stand against it. I'm praying that we would become bold, that the, the, the remnant would wake up, would rise up, that the fire would drive you to take a stand and even maybe even speak out against what you see and hear. Do it in love. Be a good witness. But do not, do not say nothing. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design. Healing for all who are injured and sick right now. Protection, inspiration for the remnant to wake up, rise up, and answer that call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know someone's been blessed, tell them to be a blessing. Their needs, not just here in the porch of Firefall or SRT. People need our help. Manna doesn't fall from heaven anymore. He does it. Pray for our lost family members. That's really the Great Commission. Go make disciples. That includes your family. Not just the People in church, not people on the street, not strangers. Tell them what he's done for you. Don't let them get left in the outer darkness and then face the great white throne of judgment without their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Continue to pray for the changes being made here at Firefall and the porch and all the things that we're working on for the kingdom of God. So, Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We thank you. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for walking with us and considering us and at times putting up with us. We thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Yeshua, sending him to pay our price, our debt, with his blood so that we could be reconciled to you. I thank you, Lord, for considering us. Thank you for training us and teaching us. I just thank you for the fellowship that you offer us, the relationship that you've restored with Abba Father, that we can boldly approach that throne of grace and mercy, crawl up in his lap, say, Abba Father, we love you. I long for the day, Lord, that we see you face to face, but until then, we thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to walk with us and encourage us and teach us and do all the things he does with us. Lord, I just I just thank you right now for these things. We clear our minds. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. We claim the mind of Messiah, and we cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge 
of El Elyon, God Most High, our Father. Lord, bless this time, bless the word, let it do what you desire it to do. Holy Spirit, have your way and do as you will, and I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us to stay our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. More and more each day as I study and as I pray and then when we do these sessions on the porch, I cry out for him to let his kingdom come, for it to rule on earth as it does in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. Regardless of what the song says, there are no tears in heaven. We need that now. We need that here and now. So, Lord, lead us away. Lead us away from the things of this world, the snares and the temptation of Hasatan's kingdom. For yours is the kingdom that we seek, and its power, and its glory forever. Amen. The kingdom of God, that's what we're talking about. We're going to stay on it until he tells me we're done. His rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. His authority, his kingdom authority residing within us. We represent the kingdom of God on earth. We need to start acting like it. We need to enforce his rule over the enemy. That rule with delegated dominion. We're not called to sit and be spectators and do nothing. We're called to sit with him in the heavenly places and to act with authority and dominion. Each week I've been giving you a list of what we are to do. Discern and understand the times. Know who he is and know who you are in him. Live the kingdom life. Don't just talk about it. Don't just study it. A lot of people love to talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, this, the kingdom of God, that, but I'm not seeing it. We need to to understand that we're in a war. This is not our home. There's another kingdom here that is against us. That means we need to understand kingdom warfare. Understanding it's not enough, we need to do something about it. So we have to enter into that warfare. We have to engage the enemy. We need to know our enemy. But the other thing is we need to understand the battleground. We need to understand where we're fighting. 
See, this isn't earthly warfare. This isn't generic warfare. This is kingdom warfare. The kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. And we should be acting from a position of authority and subjection, but somewhere along the line, Hasatan and the fallen got mankind and especially the church to abdicate their authority. This is about our life in a fallen world, under the rule of a fallen world system. And this battleground, this battlefield, it's on another level, literally. So go with me to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, and we'll start from here as we have each week. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, and having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, because they're going to come and they're going to be hot. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that's what we did last week, and I spoke boldly on some topics that were important to address. But now we're going to get back into Ephesians 6. We're going to start to understand the battleground. If you don't understand the battleground, nothing else matters. See, this isn't about flesh and blood enemies. This is about supernatural, spiritual, evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. Against the mighty powers in this dark world, evil spirits in the heavenly places. These are supernatural forces. Ephesians six ten through 20 is a call to arms and a call to unity. What is a call to arms? It's a summon to engage in active hostilities. It's a summons, it's an invitation or an appeal to undertake a particular course of action. Mobilize, church. Rally. Take up arms. The enemy is running over the top of this world and over the top of the church. I I see people post these wonderful Christian memes about how the devil shivers and shakes when a saint hits their knees, or 
Somebody posted a picture of their wife's Bible and said demons tremble when she comes into the room, and I immediately knew he's never been around very powerful demons. These demonic spirits, these fallen angels, these high-ranking princes, the psychopaths, the sociopaths, the evil, demented beings who do not know fear. Now, you can say to me, well, wait a second, what about the gathering man when the, the, the demons pled with him not to torment them before their time or the other demons that would speak out? They understood who he was. They understood that he was the one who put their fathers and brothers and sisters into the pit. They know that there will come a time when he will issue an edict against them and put them into the pit with their family. These spirits are not afraid of you. Folks, I got some pretty serious cred. They're not afraid of me. They still show up. They still threaten. They still have their eyes on the prize and want to be the one to take me down. They're not afraid. They're incapable of being afraid. Therefore, we must take a stand. We must push push back. We must do it in unity with each other and unity against a common enemy. We're not to be blind or ignorant or oblivious of these things or who they are or what they can do. Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against the spiritual wickedness in the high places. Vine's complete expository dictionary of the Old and New Testament tells us about four kinds of spirit rebels that are mentioned in Ephesians. First is, and these are the Greek names, the archos, the principalities, the chief rulers or beings of the highest rank and order in Satan's kingdom. Understand there are ranks, there is order, there's very much a militaristic structure. I knew that when I was walking in the occult doing what I was doing, and I've seen it and taken advantage of it serving in God's kingdom. That root word, arch, A-R-C-H, indicates a matter of worth or to be first. An archon is a ruler that arose at the beginning or is an original. That's a very popular term in the supernatural world or in the occult world. Oh, this one's an original. Well, we serve the original. He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. He's the firstborn of all creation. And the angels, even before they fell, were created and spoken into existence by rank and order. Remember, the Father is a God of decency and order. He doesn't create out of chaos. He doesn't create out of disunity. So when we say Ephesians one twenty one that Yeshua is far above all principality and power, 
and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. Let's stop a second here. Father, I want to pray right now against witchcraft, against satanic attack. I want to pray against any mind-binding spirit. I want to pray against those that would try to interfere with what we're doing. So I bind you in the name of Yeshua. I cast you down. I declare your attacks, your words, your vexes, hexes, incantations, null and void. I send your attacks back to you, and I bind them to you. You shall not interrupt with what we're doing. You shall not speak. You shall not see. We call for us to be hidden right now, Lord, in the shadow of your wings. We declare the victory of Calvary against them. And if you agree with me, just say amen. So he is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Because you are complete in him, Colossians 2.10, who is the head of all principality and power. He is the archon. He is the chief ruler of all creation. But see, Satan is the chief ruler of his kingdom. In no way is he comparable to the Lord or to the Father. But within his ranking, within his kingdom, he is the chief ruler. And I think part of that is because many of the other angels that were close in rank are in the pit. Possibly that's why he seduced them into doing what they did. He cleared the battlefield so that he was the only main player. That's just my opinion. I can't prove that yet through Scripture. The Lord will show me. But I believe he seduced the watchers to do what they did in Genesis 6. They were sent down to protect humanity from Satan and his angels. But being the seducer that he is, the conjurer, the mesmerizer, Somehow he got into the leader of the Watchers and convinced them to desire the daughters of Adam, desire to procreate, desire to be like men and leave their heavenly estate, going from being extraterrestrial to terrestrial. He knew full well what would happen to them. That's why he didn't do it. He's not in the pit. He's not in hell. He's out and about doing his thing. We need to understand how that works. But he rules his kingdom with fear and with anger and with power. But there are other high-ranking princes in that kingdom. Then we get into the exousia, the authorities, those who derive their power from and execute the will of the chief rulers. So you have the princes, and then you have the next level down, who draw their power and their authority from the ones above them. Exousia denotes authority, like permission or liberty of doing as one pleases. It's it's given. It's passed to them. Like we've been endued with empower, from power on high. They've been given power or authority to act within their scope of responsibility. They have the right to do what they do. Never forget that. They have the right to do what they do. You have to act within your authority and your rights. Exousia is physical and it's mental power. As I said, it's power that's been endued. Strength, 
It's something you possess, something you exercise. It's also the authority of influence. It's a right. It's a privilege. It's also the power of rule or government. Like the power of the one who wills and commands others to do his bidding. Now, we understand that from the Lord. That is shown over and over, even before he was resurrected and ascended. Go with me to Matthew 21, starting with verse 23. Now, when he came into the chief temple, when he came into the temple, the chief priest, well, there was a chief temple. There was the only temple that they had. So I guess we could, no, I'm not, I'm, yeah, no. When he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? But Yeshua answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, then he'll say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for they all count John as a prophet. So they answered Yeshua and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Same story plays out in Mark eleven, twenty-seven through thirty-three, and Luke twenty-one through eight. You see, it's all about authority. They get theirs from man. His was from above, from his heavenly Father. They wanted to know where his delegated authority came from. I've always been of the opinion: if you have to ask. You don't need to know. See, that's what made him different. That's why the people paid attention. Mark one twenty seven, and they were all amazed. This is right after Yeshua had cast out demons with the word. So they questioned amongst themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority... He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. You see, Yeshua is the shift in power. It's not by ritual. It's not by any form. It's not by any um, thing that man can conjure up. It's by the spoken word, the name of Yeshua. It's a delegated authority beyond anything religion has ever seen before. When he sent out the twelve, he says so, Luke 9.1. He called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Matthew 28, 18-19, a scripture I quote a lot. It's in my book. I'll use it in my seminars, and I'm trying to get you to absorb it. All authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why I do what I do. That's how I do what I do. 
The Roman Catholic Church has something called the ritual of exorcism. Has no application to anybody who believes in the Bible or knows Yeshua personally. It's a ritual. It's a Babylonian mystery religion ritual mixed with the Kabbalah. It came about in 400 AD and got written down many hundreds of years later. That's not what I do. I don't need a ritual. I don't need a form. I don't need holy water. I don't need anything but the name of Jesus from the biggest demon, fallen angel, all the way down to their foot soldiers. It doesn't matter who they are. They will do what I say in Yeshua's name. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. He holds it together. The very universe we're in right now is being held together by him. By his nature. By his essence. He holds it all together. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have preeminence. Church, let's wake up to who we are. Let's stop acting like the frozen chosen. Let's stop acting like people seeking knowledge, but not the the power thereof. Let's put down religion. Let's put down the nonsense, and let's go do something about this. Then you have the level Cosmo Cretoris. Cosmo being age. The world rulers of the darkness of this age. The spiritual world rulers, we see them in Daniel 10, which I will read in a second. Cosmo Crator is a ruler of this world. Rule of the darkness of this world. We saw that in Greek and Roman mythology. The high-ranking gods that the other gods submitted to. This isn't about flesh and blood rulers. These aren't earthly potents. These are spiritual powers who function under the permissive will of God due to human sin and the consequences of sin. They exercise, if you will, satanic powers. Satan doesn't have power to delegate to them. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's a created being. So how do they do their power? I wish I could, I w- wish I could show you, and, and hopefully in the documentary, when it's done, you'll get to see it. But when we've encountered what was once worshipped as a Canaanite god, Baal Barith, he travels with an entourage. But it's not really an entourage in the sense of uh, they're there to, you know, at you know, worship him. He uses their power 
They're like little demonic batteries. They always travel together. He draws power from them. And if he doesn't have enough power in his traveling battery, he'll draw it from you. He'll draw it from the electricity or batteries in the room. See, they have no inherent power. They've been disconnected from the throne room. They are no longer plugged into Yeshua and his power. I hope that resonated. First time we saw the picture of Baal Barith, and I saw his face very clearly, and that face matched the depictions of him in the Babylonian statues and in other things over the years. We saw these little faces and demons around him that when he left, he pulled them all back together and they floated off. Began to realize that he was drawing power from them. In our encounter with him in in New Britain, Connecticut, he was draining the batteries and the cameras and the recorders as quickly as we plugged them in and recharged them and got to the point people were walking around with their cameras plugged into outlets with long extension cords because he was draining the batteries so quickly in the battle that he was having with me. But he wasn't having it with me. He was having it with the Lord through me. But go with me to Daniel chapter 10, which what I'm talking about, these different levels, but the Cosmo Katoris, the world rulers, these beings are clearly shown. Daniel 10, starting with verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone. This is the angel telling Daniel this. Because Daniel had been praying and interceding, and the angel, many believe, is Gabriel, but he's not named by name, shows up with the message, and he's explaining why it took him so long. The prince of Persia fought with him for 21 days. Finally, Michael, the chief prince of Israel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And when he spoke in such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of one of the sons of men touched my lips, and then I opened my mouth and spoke, and angels touched him, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, Because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? For as for me, no strength remains in me now, nor in any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. We call this a quickening in your mortal spirit. And he said, let me, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And then when I've gone forth, even the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. There's a battle going on up there. There are fallen princes as well as heavenly ones. 
There are gates from which they come and go, and, the, and each one has a gate that they're responsible for. I want you to start seeing that is your battleground up there, not down here. There are spiritual, there are spiritual forces behind the various nations, like the spirit prince of Persia, which now would be Iran, or the spirit prince of Greece. They were blocking the way to God's messenger to get to Daniel. And make note of verse 18, that in the presence of this angel, Daniel needed to be strengthened. This happened to him three different times. And each time he had to be helped to get up. He had to be helped to speak. He had to be helped to have a conversation. When you're in the presence of a holy angel, when you're in the presence of one of God's angels from the throne room, your body cannot handle it. You will literally, like all the energy has been sucked out of you, collapse like Daniel does. That's how you know you're in the presence of a heavenly angel. Although Baal, Barith, and the other things we've encountered have taken advantage of us and drained us, it's never been to the point that our knees buckled, although I have been in the presence of a high-ranking angel. And the first time he showed up, my knees buckled. And I fell face first to the ground like a tree that had been cut down. And had I not put my hands in front of my mouth, I'd have been eating dirt because I happened to be outside at that moment. The chief prince is an archangel, chief amongst God's messengers. We know of Michael, we know of Gabriel. The book of Enoch mentions other names. They are his chiefs. They are his generals. And what's interesting is Daniel doesn't need any other explanation. He understands that the world he was in was populated with spiritual beings from both sides of the equation. Because he understood Deuteronomy 32.8. He understood Genesis, that God had divided up the nations and he had divided up the world with boundaries and with areas. And each of those areas had princes. The ones that were not aligned with God had their own fallen ones. Not every watcher from Genesis 6 is in the pit, just the ones that procreated with the daughters of Adam. And those were the 20 leaders of Tan. There were 200 watchers, 20 leaders, had 10 under them. Those 20 leaders were the ones who did what they did. They're the ones in the pit. They're the ones who will get out at the end. They're the kings that are coming out of the pit. But the other are still out and about. God has appointed Michael, the chief prince over Israel. We need to understand that we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. We need to understand who we are in the grand scheme of things. Even when he was here, he walked in that authority. John twelve thirty one. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. John fourteen thirty. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Making very clear, he's stating right there that Hasatan is the ruler of this world. He's the God of this world. John sixteen eleven, 
that the ruler of this world is judged. Or don't make any mistakes about it. He may still be in power, but he's been judged. But he's still in control. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. There is your war. Your war is not with flesh and blood. Your war is not in politics. I know this won't be popular to say. Our battle is in the heavenly places. Our battle is with supernatural spirit beings, demons, fallen angels, high-ranking princes of the demonic realm. Then we have the Greek word pneumatica. Those are the wicked spirits. Those are low-ranking entities, the foot soldiers, if you will. Some of them look almost like the gray aliens. Some look like other things. How they look is unimportant. I make the mistake of saying that people get fascinated about, well, how do they look, and what have you seen, and what have they done? Now, that's not important. What is important where our battleground is, and that's in the high places, that's in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing even in the heavenly places in Messiah. Boy, my spirit man starts to jump when I'm saying these words to the point that there's a battle with my tongue to speak English or to speak a heavenly language. Heavenly. The heavenlies, the atmospheric realm above us, the different levels of heaven. Paul talks about being taken up to the third heaven. There are different levels up there than you have the throne room, but there's the atmospheric heavenlies around the earth, just outside of of our um, sky. That is where I believe Satan and his angels and the demons rule from. Which is why... That angel, Gabriel, most likely needed help from Michael to get through that, to get to Daniel. If you can see that, if you can understand Daniel 10, if you can understand that the windows of heaven mentioned in Malachi are a latticework around the earth, you can begin to understand the battle going on up there. Also refers to our Heavenly Father, Matthew eighteen thirty-five. So my Heavenly Father who also do to each of you from his heart. If a brother does not forgive another brother of his trespasses. We know it's his realm. But because sin, because of what Adam and Eve did, and the Lord only took back spiritual authority on Calvary, when he comes back the second time, he's taken back all authority because at that point, Satan and his angels will have been cast down to earth. They will become completely terrestrial. And if you can understand that, you'll understand why he's really seriously ticked off. But we have, we have to understand where we sit in power. That's why I've been really going over this and digging into it and opening it up so that when we get to the weapons, you'll understand them better. You'll understand why they're so important because the battle is not of this world. And 
Larry and I were talking today, and we're, we're talking about either doing a uh, podcast or something to, to get you to understand warfare from our perspective. Satan doesn't want to fight you in the spiritual realm. He doesn't want to fight you in the heavenlies. He wants you pull you down to earth. He doesn't want to fight you in a place where you have access to all power in heaven and earth. He wants to drag you down to fight you on this level. So how does he do that? He trips you up. He gets you off balance. That situation happened today. I don't need to go into any detail, but I was already off balance. I was tired. I'd been up since 4 o'clock. I had to go get uh, new tires put on my car. And some some things happened, uh, did not go right, and the old me would have, as my wife would tell you, would have caused a lot of trouble. Thankfully, the old me doesn't exist. But the point was, is I was still off kilter. And it took the fruit of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and Larry praying for me for me to not respond to what was happening. And then I realized what Satan had done. He had done to me what I used to do to others when I sparred in Taekwondo. Because even though I was pretty strong and really good, there were people that were better. And when the the teacher of my class, my friend Rick, would put me with them, I would know that they were better. So what I would do is I would take advantage of my assets, my strength. So I would jump in close enough so they couldn't kick me. And I would hit them with my shoulder and knock them off balance. And then I would land a couple of good blows and do the best I can and try to stay out of the, the reach of their feet. But the point was I had to get them off balance. I had to get them falling backward. I had to take them out of the, the realm, the, the, the field in which they were comfortable. That's what the enemy does to us. That's why you really need to be prayed up. You need to never leave your house without having your mind covered, without knowing that the armor's in place. Maybe you even have to go piece by piece and visualize it. Because when you get out into the world, you're in his realm. And if he pulls you down to his level to fight with you or to trip you up, you're going to be weaker than you need to be. We've been raised up. With him, seated at his right hand in the heavenly places, why would he want to come fight you there? Ephesians 2, 6, he has raised us up together to make us sit together with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua. If you're sitting with him, which he's on the throne, and he's at the right hand of the Father, and that power and authority is flowing through you, why would Satan do that? He would just wait until he could get you away. He would draw you away. He would draw you outside the walls of the kingdom of God. And then he would trick you into an encounter, into a skirmish. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. That's who we're connected to. The heavenly Messiah, the heavenly Yeshua, the heavenly throne. And you might be thinking, that's all well and good, Rich, but I have to go to work. I have to deal with bills. I have to deal with problems at home. 
I get all that. Believe me, I do. You may not think that I do. I don't, I don't live in la-la land. I live in this world, but I walk in two worlds, and I try to make sure that I'm walking primarily in the heavenlies, in the kingdom of God. And as anybody who knows me can tell you, that when I'm walking there full-time, I'm, I'm somewhat difficult to be around. I'm going to read your mail. I'm going to see things you don't want me to see. But I have to come down to deal with dogs. I have to pick up dog stuff in the yard. Nothing very spiritual about that. But you know what I try to do? Whether I'm taking out the recycling of the garbage or doing any of these earthly things, I keep my mind on him. I keep talking to him. I keep praying to him. I keep singing praise and worship songs so that my spirit man is still there with him while my flesh man has to do these earthly things. See, Ephesians 3.10, we talked about the manifold wisdom of God being made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Those are the spiritual host of wickedness. You can't do that if you're grounded. You need to walk in two worlds. Because if you're going to wrestle against flesh and blood, if you're going to get into a nose-to-nose, toe-to-toe wrestling match against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places that are possibly thousands of years old, you better not be doing that in your flesh. You had better not be doing that under your your own power or your own knowledge. Speaking of knowledge or gnosis, I see a lot of supposed big-name people out there putting out videos and teachings on demons and fallen angels and the divine council and this and that, and they have no experiential, experiential knowledge of anything they're telling you. And while much of what they tell you can be found in Scripture, the one thing that you can't find in their teaching is real experiential knowledge. And Larry and I talked about that today. I'm just going to kind of dump this on you. Right now, we're dealing with things that are totally in the spirit realm. They have no earthly body. What are you going to do when the human hybrids that they need to inhabit are walking the earth? What are you going to do when they have both earthly power and supernatural power? We had better be able to respond. We had better be able to deal with that on two levels. I've had the dreams and the visions. I've seen what is coming. And right about now, many of you are saying, that's okay. I don't want to be here. Snatch me out of here, Lord. No, you don't want to be here. You really don't. But we better understand that that's coming. In the heavenly places refers to the entire realm of spiritual beings. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. These places, these realms, that's our battleground. That's where we fight this battle. So next week when we start to get into the implements of the armor of God, hopefully after all this time, you'll be able to start to see them with the spiritual mindset. Start to visualize them in your mind's eye. 
that the authority and the power and the dominion given to you is coming from him above, coming through the Holy Spirit inside of you. I've laid hands on people and prayed for them and felt the rush of that power from the throne room. Go right through me, right into them. They'll feel it. Like this surge of energy, electricity, comes right out of me into them. The bridge from me to him is the Holy Spirit inside of me. That's what you have. So Paul is talking about our hope. See, that's what we're looking forward to that day. When we are not just sitting with him symbolically or spiritually, but it was sitting with him physically. That's what kept the book of Acts Church going. That's what drove them, that hope. So they got the job done. They were walking in the Spirit. Peter's shadow healed people because at that moment he was walking in two worlds. His feet were on the ground, but his spirit man was connected to the throne room, and even the shadow coming off his body was healing people. Satan wants to interfere with that. He wants to interfere with our connection. He wants to get us grounded. He wants to get your mind in politics, get your mind in the news, get you fighting about all these things that have no earthly value. If we're going to walk in who he is, if we're going to understand that he's the name above every name, if we're going to walk in the ability and know that every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and proclaim that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, you should have the boldness to be able to say that to Hasatan. You should have the boldness to be able to say that to a chief prince and ranking demon or whatever. Bend your knee to the name of Yeshua. Submit. We are his messenger to the world. We are his kingdom enforcers. We've been delegated all this authority. We're called to enforce and correct their actions and their behavior. Each and every one of us. We're like a tapestry. We're an army of different colors and different talents and different abilities that he has sewn together. We should be running roughshod over the top of the enemy. It shouldn't be this hard. I don't care who they are, their hierarchy, whatever. Inside of you is the creative power of the universe. Start walking in it. Father, I just pray right now that as your children are hearing this, as they're stumbling onto this, that they desire more. They desired more of you. They desire to know more. They desire to see and hear in the Spirit, have eyes to see and ears to hear. Not be as distracted by the show or the entertainment. Not be distracted by any man. Put their hope on you. Get their eyes off the stage and get it up on the throne. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you are quickening that you are churning inside of people that you're breaking off of them all the things that have held them back that you're giving them a desire for more of you that you would have preeminence in their life so lord i pray right now if if they know you that you do that 
they don't know you by the way I'm talking, I pray that they would come to know you that way. Whether through dreams and visions or divine visitations or angelic visitations, whatever it'll take, draw them close to you, pull them close to you. And to that one sheep I see in the spirit right now running away in fear because they don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they belong in your presence. They don't feel like they're worthy to have your hands upon them. I know that you'll pursue them, Lord. I know that you'll leave the 99 for the one and grab them up in your arms and carry them back. I pray that you do that. I pray that they would know you completely and utterly, not just as Lord and Savior, not just as Messiah, but intimately as the Son of the living God, as their friend, as their brother. We will never diminish who you are or or tarnish the crown. But I know that your desire is intimacy with us. And I pray that you do that, Lord. Anything hindering it, anything interfering with that, I say be gone in the name of Yeshua. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord, may Adonai, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grunt. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. (laughs) 